Welcome to Culture Coach, a podcast with me, Nikki Lerner, helping you to engage in a proactive movement towards unity and understanding as it relates to culture and come from. Thanks for joining me today. You ready to go? Let's get started. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. You know, I wanted to create a space each week where you and I can learn about different cultures and come froms in a safe, non-threatening, non-embarrassing environment. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For more creative resources and ideas, you can engage with me at NikkiLearner.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to part two of this idea of how do you define and expand a decision-making team when you are looking through the lens of culture work. Now, just a little bit of uh, revisit from uh, where we have come from. Last week, we talked about that many times uh, a big challenge for organizations uh, or, you know, groups of people of any kind, um, it's really hard to let go of the old ways of doing things, um, particularly if those systems have worked for an organization or worked for a leader for a really long time. But it's possible that those systems and those strategies worked for that organization when it was monocultural. And as it is transitioning into a healthy multicultural organization, it's very possible that those structures may no longer be appropriate for the new place that you find yourself in. So many times uh, the senior management, the senior leadership team of an organization or a church or whatever it is, um, can find themselves being a very uh, monocultural group of people whether that comes to ethnic culture, gender, uh, gosh, viewpoint, um, training, uh, anything. Anytime a group of leaders sort of, um, you know, have the same come from, have the same education, have the same viewpoint, have the same worldview, um, you are in danger as a leader of uh, having massive blind spots in your organization when it comes to culture. Remember, the old criteria used to be for a senior management team or a, a, a board of directors or an elder board or whatever it is that people are on that team because of title, of tenure, and of team leadership. What that means is, again, just in review, that if someone it, it, someone's title is the manager of whatever or the VP of whatever, that that person now is automatically on a decision-making team um, uh, without even really thinking about it sometimes, just because they have the title. Sometimes, if you're honest as leaders, you put people on teams simply because they've been there a long time. Or I've even engaged with leaders that have put other people on leadership teams simply so that they didn't have to deal with them anymore in a sense of, you know, well, let's just placate this person uh, and put them on this leadership team so essentially they can stop barking at us and barking orders uh, at us and, and barking complaints at us. And let's just go ahead and put them on the leadership team. Not a great reason to put somebody on a team. Or the third reason being uh, if somebody leads a large team, then we can uh, put this thing on them that, well, certainly they should be on the decision making team just because their team is large. But these 
pieces of old criteria do not uh, mean that your senior management team, your senior lead team now knows how to make appropriate decisions for a diverse group of staff or diverse group of volunteers in your nonprofit or volunteers in your church ministry or whatever it is. So just as a review, remember that, that what we are talking about here is trying to find a way of expanding the types of people that are on decision-making teams uh, in your organization. And so last week we talked about uh, that you have to define or really redefine the purpose for that decision-making team. Today, uh, the second thing I wanna share with you is this, define the criteria for participation, okay? Last week, uh, one of the things I, I had warned you against, if you listened, was this trap of uh, once you want to diversify the team going out and just saying, hey, you know, we need, you know, six of these kinds of people here on this team, right? And then you go after people and you look at them solely based on their culture as it relates to ethnicity or solely based on their culture as it relates to gender or solely as based on their culture as it relates to a sexual orientation or education or whatever the come from is, right? And the again, just as a reminder, the problem isn't in searching for those things. The problem becomes when we only regulate people to those things on our team. That's when we jump into tokenism. Okay. So just a reminder on of that. So when you're diversifying and expanding your decision-making team, define the criteria for participation. All right. Uh, and this helps uh, establish clarity, uh, clarity around why people are on teams, why people are making decisions for the whole organization, why. Make sure that you get very explicit as a leader about what are those things. You want the clarity to be established. And what you don't want on your decision-making teams is for it just to be relationship-based or uh, based on uh, I'll use this term, quote, fit. Okay, so let me back up for a minute. So many times people in organizations have a big problem with how uh, the perception or the perception that they have that people are chosen to be on certain types of teams, right? And if people are just chosen, then that means that everything is based on relationship. And when that happens, there can be a perception within the company that if you don't have relationship with people who are already on that team, or if you don't have relationship with the right kinds of people, that there's no way that you can possibly be on a team at work uh, or, you know, your nonprofit or at church because everything's based on relationship. And therefore that means that everything is based on whether somebody likes you or not, or, or whether somebody gets along with you or not. And that can be really frustrating for people in an organization or leaders. And I've done this before. Let me just tell you, I have done this before in my leadership journey. Um, I don't want it to continue uh, where I would say, I don't think it's continuing. <laughs> um, I'm always checking myself though where we say we, we have this thing based on fit. And I say, quote, fit. What does fit mean? 
what is it when what does it mean when someone is or is not a good fit because oftentimes if people want to be on a team uh, and we don't want them to be on a team and that we know that it's either chemistry or just a sense or, you know, that kind of thing. We need to tell people the truth about why we didn't choose them. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, it can come off as, well, we just had a feeling that you wouldn't be a good fit on this. And that doesn't mean anything to people when you are uh, building and establishing a multicultural organization is very important for people to know what does that mean? What does fit mean? And so when we lean into defining the criteria for participation on a decision-making team, that at least helps us to establish some sort of clarity on the front end. So here are some ideas for you on the types of criteria for participation. All right, here's one uh, criteria. Uh, to influence culture. Okay, second, uh, you want people who will have honest and transparent uh, feedback for conversation. Third, you want contributors of ideas. Fourth, you want ownership of the organizational mission, vision, and values. And then fifth, you may want these positions to be revolving or to have term limits. Uh, so that the ideas can stay fresh. So let me let me go back through these just for a minute. So first of all, again, when you're thinking about expanding this team and looking at your current team, by the way, to find out if they meet this criteria still, right? You want people who are going to influence culture. And what I mean by influence is, you know, just because somebody doesn't have a title um, or just because somebody isn't already part of your senior management team does not necessarily mean that they do not have influence, there are influencers in every single organization. There are influencers in every single church and they do not have to work on staff. They do not have to work in your organization. They could be at any level of any organization, but they are influencers, whether influences for the good or influences towards the negative. You wanna find people who are influencers towards the good. People that are going to steer uh, people that they're connected to, culture they're connected to, to something that is for the good of the company and for the good of the people there. What you don't want to find are people that have influence, but they have negative influence. Um, that's what you don't want to find on your decision-making team. You need people that are going to think ahead. All right. The second thing about honest and transparent feedback for conversation, you want to find people who will tell you the truth. Uh, you want to find people on this team that, particularly you as a leader, that you're not afraid or they're not afraid to tell you what they think, particularly if it's not in agreement with how you see things as a leader. It's okay to have people on your team like that. In fact, you need people like that on your on your team as long as it's honest and it's transparent, right, uh, so that you can have conversation about it. The third thing being the contributor of ideas. You know, there's nothing worse than pulling a new uh, lead team together, a decision-making team, and you start talking about things in the organization and you get crickets whenever you ask a question about something or you have a group of people that don't want to talk or don't want to engage or are afraid of their job, uh, losing their jobs or, you know, that kind of thing. You want to have people that are willing to have conversation uh, at a table uh, and wrestle through some things with other people. You also want... Uh, the people on this team to be an owner, to have ownership of the mission, vision, values of the organization. 
Uh, people on a decision-making team need to always see through the filter of what are we trying to accomplish as an organization? What are we trying to accomplish as a nonprofit, uh, as a church community? What is the mission, vision, values? And always taking ownership and seeing through that filter so that they can make good cultural essential uh, decisions as a decision-making team. And then last, that let these positions be revolving. Let people know that they can only serve on this team or be a part of this team for, for so long. Um, you know, if you have enough people in your organization, let that be revolving. Or if you're part of a smaller organization, you know, let the revolving pieces of that team be people from outside of the organization. You know, nobody told you that you can't have people help you as a leader make decisions about what you need to do culturally um, and they have to work for you. Um, you know, bring this idea of masterminds and think tanks and idea groups, maybe people outside of your organization, but let these positions be revolving so that the ideas can stay fresh. And when I say revolving, you know, maybe somebody um, transitions off of this team for about six months or three months. It doesn't have to be forever. And maybe that person comes back after six months. Um, you know, just get creative with it. But what I'm trying to say is you want to define the criteria for participation. Be as clear as possible, because if you as a leader uh, just want to start adding people to a team and you uh, just know you and I will always have a, a piece of bias that we have to work through. Uh, cultural bias, relationship bias, fit bias, all of those things that we're going to have to work through. So uh, make sure that you've established some criteria so that you know as a leader why people are on your team and also that you can communicate that with other people in your organization. So remember, first, define the purpose. Why does this group exist? And second, define the criteria for participation and have it be as clear as possible and as inclusive as possible. Get creative about this. Try not to fight for and hold on to old criteria and old limitations from an old system. When you are transitioning from monocultural to multicultural, you are building something new. You are building in new compound practices so that you can see the change happen that you long to make. Lean in get creative. Don't stop. Hey, thanks so much for making the time to listen. If you like the insight today, tell your friends and be part of the newsletter at NikkiLearner.com. Remember, it takes that first decision to realize your vision for a more generous, multicultural life. I'll see you next week.